Hello, welcome again to Security on the Frontlines. It's Ted Grumo, COO of Sentinel Intrusion Prevention Systems, here to discuss network security strategy and tactics in the real world with a couple of our good friends and customers. Municipalities like local, city, county, and state government have some unique challenges. They're becoming a more popular target for ransomware and nation state hacking and trying to manage outdated power and water infrastructure, all while facing budget constraints and in a lot of cases, doing it with no staff dedicated specifically to security. It comes down to people. When you're the director of IT in small government, you have many constituents. And as we'll learn, it's all about trust and relationship building up and down the org chart, which in the end might even be more important than all those shiny security tools. To learn more, we're talking with representatives from two different cities in Texas. First, we're going to talk to Shane McDaniel, Director of Information Technology in the city of Seguin, which is just outside of San Antonio. And then Scott Joyce, Director of Information Services with the city of Ulis, which is a suburb in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Let's start with Shane. So if you could talk just a little bit about your organization, maybe the size of the organization and your team, your position, your responsibilities, and just give us a little background so we have a little context around that. Sure, sure. Uh, Shane McDaniel, I'm the director of IT for the city of Seguin in Texas. Uh, we're a city population a little north of 30,000. We got about 450 employees, give or take. Uh, we offer all of the uh, utility services that would be electric, water, and wastewater. And then we do have a secondary water system uh, that we, that partnership that we do in conjunction with another city that's a, a big winner for us as well. And of course, all the public safety things that we do. Uh, for being a small city, we, we kind of, uh, we, we do a lot with what we have. I do have an IT department of nine full-time staffers. Uh, we typically have a, an intern program as well, although uh, not this year. Thank you to uh, the pandemic, unfortunately, but we will get that going again. Um, so the things that we get ourselves into, uh, it's all about SCADA, operations, public safety, keeping the lights on, so to speak, telecom, network, cybersecurity, systems architecture, email, and just everything. Uh, we, we've uh, made a huge pivot recently where uh, moving services online we've been doing more of that we just stood up a new uh, parks and rec um, enterprise resource uh, planning type of situation with software in conjunction with the, the golf course and uh, main street so whatever we can move online we've been doing a lot of that and uh, that's generally what we do here in the city uh, unfortunately we, we are more reactive at this point with a lot of things like something has to happen to kind of spur that movement forward, but we, we try to think more proactively and dr address things as best we can. We've upgraded a number of our infrastructure platforms over the past three years. It's been wonderful. We still have a lot more work to do though. So uh, we do pretty good here in the city of Seguin, but there's always ways that we can be a little bit better. As director of IT, who do you report to essentially? My boss is the city manager. And uh, for folks that might be listening to this, unfamiliar with how municipal government works, the city manager is the equivalent of a CEO. He, he, he runs the city, uh, hired by council. Uh, he reports directly to our council. Of course, the, the council members are elected officials by the, the citizens here in the city. So uh, it is the, the, the tip of the iceberg, if you will, in municipal government. And that, okay. that's who I report to directly. 
Do you end up presenting at like council meetings and things like that? Do you have a political role to some degree? Uh, I hesitate to use the word political, but there is a facet to that as far as uh, education. Um, I, I do have, I go to council often enough, a few times a year to uh, anything, large dollar amounts, projects, particularly these infrastructure projects that we've been pursuing for a few years now. If it costs uh, more than $50,000, I have to go stand in front of council and get their approval to actually move forward with the project. There's the budgeting side of it. So that's done well in advance for the fiscal year budgeting. But whenever it comes time that to move forward with that effort, if it is approved through budgeting, then I go stand in front of council. I just stood in front of council uh, in December of 2020 to discuss uh, a radio infrastructure upgrade, give a presentation on everything that happened with that. It was a very... Uh, very, very large project with, uh, it was really three projects in one. So it impacted public safety, it impacted the citizens. We estimated it touched the lives of 160,000 people in this region, very much opened the doors for inter-regional uh, interoperability between agencies. So I went and did a presentation on that. Do you have dedicated security staff or how do you break that out in your organization? So I started in the city of Seguin in, in March of 2018. I came from the city of McKinney. Prior to that, I worked in um, private industry in the cybersecurity space. Prior to that, military intelligence and the security agencies and all that good stuff. So I have that background of security. I've been beating the drum for somebody dedicated to cybersecurity since the, the moment I stepped foot here and not approved yet. I do believe, I, I believe this in all my heart that it was going to be approved had the pandemic not hit because there's actually language in our current fiscal year budget that says, uh, it speaks to it. Um, so unfortunately it didn't make it all the way through approvals. We totally understand that. I think we're close to getting that dedicated person, but at this moment, uh, that, Cybersecurity is essentially everybody's job here in the city of Seguin, and that's just our approach to it. Yeah, and I do know, I mean, just speaking personally with the relationship we've had with you, that uh, you don't ignore it. I mean, I, I know that. It's <laughs> no. <laughs> what I'd like you to do is kind of roll through what we'll call your cybersecurity stack. You don't have to use vendor names if you don't want to. It's no problem. But I am interested to know if you started at the endpoint and moved all the way out to the edge or the cloud or however far it goes, the different tools you rely on for cybersecurity. Absolutely. Um, so we, we got a number of tools in place here that we rely heavily on. Um, I, I, I hate to admit this to a certain extent, but we rely too much on our tools in my mind. Uh, we're very reactive to security and not as proactive as I would like. Um, however, some of the tools that, that we do use, uh, like um, spam filtering, for, for instance, uh, we have a very strong spam filter in place. Uh, it took quite some time to get, get it adjusted to kind of fine tune to our environment. Uh, true story, we missed out on a, on a very large grant because of that spam filter once um, because uh, it, that an email did not reach its intended recipient. Uh, unfortunately, it was, hey, we need a signature on this document so you guys could can be awarded this grant, and it never made it to that person uh, because we do have the controls kind of dialed up a little bit. Conversely, that same um, spam filter that we have in place, um, there were 365 impersonation attempts that were blocked by that tool in 2020, one every day, if you think about it. So um, I see a lot of those requests because I'll go in and look at them, right? And uh, it's somebody, it, it's, it's 
about half the time, it's somebody impersonating a city employee, trying to get a hold of finance, trying to get a hold of HR, saying, hey, I want to change my direct deposit information. That, that right out the door, that, that's probably half of them. So that's potentially a good chunk of our staff that might have had their, their direct deposit information diverted. Now, subsequently, we also have a process in place to where um, you can't do that through email anymore. We, we, we changed that a few years ago. So you still you have to physically go into the office. But still, that's the kind of things that are coming into our environment. Um, so that's spam filtering that we rely on heavily. It, it blocks a lot of the phishing attempts and whatnot. I, I would say less than 1% actually make it through. I couldn't tell you the last time we had to go pull something out of our domain. Uh, beyond so, that, so just to clarify, just real quick, that, that it sounds to me like that's not just spam and, and basic phishing. Like you're, you're seeing real targeted spear phishing attempts on actual employees that are oh, absolutely, impersonated yeah. and yeah. Any other sort of training that you do? Yeah, so um, with that bill that was passed by the Texas legislature not that long ago, uh, House Bill 3834, we had to stand up a security awareness program. One of the beautiful things that I walked into here at the city of Seguin in 2018 was uh, I had about a $50,000 security budget to be applied. It, it wasn't directly tied to any purchase to any one thing. It just said security. Okay, great. You know, so one of the things that we did with that actually bought the spam filter tool that I was just speaking to, but I also purchased um, that security awareness. And uh, as opposed to going through one of the other sort of taking it on ourselves, uh, we leveraged that program and that's how we get our staff trained up. That House Bill 3834, the, the way I interpret it is if, if a city employee has an email address, they need to be trained up on security awareness on an annual basis. So that meets the qualification uh, as, as our understanding of it. So, sure. Yeah, we do have that in place. So then that puts us on the endpoint itself. You want to just kind of keep working through the stack a little bit? And sure, sure. Uh, we got a pretty good antivirus tool. Um, I'm very happy with it. Um, you know, everything, every, everything has AB on it. And matter of fact, we fine tuned that thing uh, about a year ago. This There was a lot of trepidation with this one, but uh, it was mostly, I mean, of course, our end users, they're, you know, they, they can, change can be difficult for folks. We totally respect that. But we actually use that AB tool to, uh, to block third-party media. So thumb drives, things of that nature. Uh, not allowed in the city of Seguin anymore unless it's been tagged for approval by the IT department. So if somebody, if an end user wants to use third-party media, which again goes through our AV tool, um, they have to bring that that thumb drive to IT, we scan it, and then there's a way to uh, tie it to the AV system to where that end user can, can use it in their computer or we can kind of set it up on like a, a range of computers, if you will, say in the police department or what have you. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're very appreciative of that. And, and one of those sneaky things that we were able to get accomplished here in the city of Seguin. The endpoint solution, is it is it a one of the more modern sort of EDR solutions? Uh, is, it, is it a managed solution or is it something you manage yourself? No, no, it's automated. It's in the cloud. Um, so, it, it, you know, all of the... Um, they, they take care of that at their level, and it's another one of those reactive things that we do here in the city of Seguin. We get alerts on it every morning, or a, a report, I should say, and if it flags anything, you know, we'll go take a look at that device. We'll scan them separately and whatnot, but no, it's another one of those things that I would love to be more proactive with, but unfortunately, just uh, circumstances, workflow just doesn't allow us to be that proactive, so we, sure, we rely on it heavily. 
yeah, you lean on their automations and take care of what Definitely. you need to take care of. Yeah. What would be next? I guess you get into the network itself. Are you all running any sort of SIM or, or any sort of network monitoring tool like that? Well, uh, your network monitoring tool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we blew up our network about, I guess it's been, we, we finished it about a year and a half ago. We started it about two and a half years ago. Uh, whenever I showed up here in the city of Seguin, we had a flat network and uh, we had some um, we had some firewalls in place that, uh, from my experience in private industry, uh, not not would would not have been my choice at that time to to deploy those. So whenever we upgraded our network, uh, we added layer three. We did a bunch of work with the fiber ring so uh, we could shoot that at whichever direction we want to shoot it. Uh, but we also upgraded our perimeter security. And alongside that, uh, of course, we, we have your devices, the, the Sentinel um, intrusion prevention, intrusion detection, intrusion prevention in this case. Um, so, yeah, th those are lying right outside there. And we rely uh, heavily on those as well. <laughs> and I do remember you had a re-architecture and, and that helped you a little bit with visibility in terms of uh, and being able to segment off the network and, and be a little more careful about where traffic was flowing. Do you have a cloud presence much at all? Every municipality I talk to has, has a different answer for cloud. <laughs> sure. So I'm kind of interested to know where you guys stand on that. Not opposed to the cloud at all. It uh, doesn't scare me, doesn't concern me. Uh, we do have things uh, outside of our private architecture. It, in some cases, we want that. You know, there, There's no need to, uh, to accept ownership of that. Uh, I'll give you an example. The new Parks Main Street golf platform that we have, I call it an ERP. I don't necessarily know if that's a correct factual statement, but that's kind of how I see it, right? It does a lot of different business processes for those folks. That's all cloud-based, you know. Now, it has no hooks into our financial system. We weren't going to allow that. That data has to be pushed to us. But um, that, that's kind of the tie-in there, and we're completely comfortable with it. In my previous role, about 25% of our production environment was in uh, one of the major clouds there. And uh, we, we, we did have a little bit of a problem. It, it wasn't so much the cloud provider. It was more the application provider, the software provider. Uh, a well-known one in, in municipal circles that's also known, unfortunately, to have some, some problems there. Um, so other than that, now there's no real concern to it. There, we're primarily in our private infrastructure here, but we're not opposed to putting anything up in the cloud either. Do you have any other network-based tools like, I don't know, D DNS monitoring or uh, what are you doing for like vulnerability scanning and and pen testing, those sorts of things. You want to walk down that a little bit? Sure, sure. Matter of fact, I just had a conversation with the Department of Homeland Security's local rep, the, the CISO rep now, um, about go ahead and, and getting Seguin lined up for pen testing, vulnerability assessments. Now, we've, we've gone down that road to a certain extent here in the city. Uh, we, we've done the initial thing. Where there's a, For the folks that might be listening to this, in, in government, in municipal government, uh, probably state and certainly federal as well. There's all kinds of things that are available to us when it comes to cybersecurity. Uh, number one, you have to find those avenues and then you have to take advantage of it. Uh, and some of that just uh, conducting day-to-day -day business, is, we never have the resources that we need, right? To get everything done that we have to get done. However, they are, they are there for us if you can take advantage of them. So the wait time to do the, the pen test through DHS, it might be four months. It might be 18 months. We don't know, but we got ourselves on the list. So we're going to do it. 
uh, we, we've done some things with them already, but that's sort of the next iteration as far as leveraging government resources to kind of test where we are as far as a, a cybersecurity program. That's one of the big ones, right? The government resources you have. But like you said, it's complicated where you sit trying to pick and choose what works for you, right? Got to keep the lights on. That's the you know first and foremost thing, but we have to do things securely as well. One of the, the biggest hurdles that I, I feel you know in my current role is just kind of, am I doing enough to vocalize how big of a concern it is? Everybody understands that ransomware is a problem and if you know unfortunately the folks that have been hit it, it can take you back to the stone ages you know get ready to do paper processing again right but i don't necessarily know how how much of that is sank in you know like um, I, I haven't got that um that someone dedicated to cybersecurity yet although i am confident like i mentioned in our budget it, it, it does have some verbiage there towards uh, that but um you know, it's always, I think that's the same problem that a lot of folks in my position out there have. It's just uh, kind of, it's not a problem until it's a problem. Unfortunately, sometimes something negative has to happen before, it, you know, you get that action that you need. Yeah, true in the private sector too, in our experience, unfortunately. So the way that we address cybersecurity, um, I think I mentioned this a few minutes ago about uh, I view us as very reactive to cybersecurity, and um, I, I'm not overly thrilled about it. I do want us to be a more proactive security team, if you will, but uh, we don't have the horses, if the, the, as I would term it, to, to kind of do the things that I, I want us to accomplish. I really need somebody that 40 hours a week, you know, that sort of thing. Just, I feel like whenever I get that position approved, I have the next two or three years of that person's life planned out, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Because there's so many things that we're leaving on the table, so many free resources that are available to us that we can leverage to our benefit that unfortunately we, we have trouble committing the time to. Yeah. So um, the way that we, we currently manage cybersecurity here in the city of Seguin, it, it, it is everybody's responsibility and that always will be the case. But with us being reactive, if we are alerted to something, uh, the couple of times it's happened since I've been here, they were both false positives, thankfully. But it, it, I was so impressed with the response. It was it was like like an army showed up at, at a couple of different offices here in the facility, and they're disconnecting things, and they're take they're physically taking those devices and, and bringing them back to the IT shop so we can take care of them, scan them, just make sure there's nothing nefarious on there. So our response has been impressive. We've uh, thankfully never had to deal with a uh, cyber incident here. I hope that we never do. But um, yeah, so that, that's kind of our approach. Where unfortunately, if something happens, we react. In local government, you you have to know a little bit about a lot of different things. You got folks. You might be working on telecom in the morning, and you might be uh, baselining computers that afternoon or something. You know, like you just have to have a wide range of experience. And uh, I know every municipal government is some version of that. The larger the city, the more specialized you can be. But for folks our size, you kind of just do the best you can. So where do you think your biggest strengths are in cybersecurity right now? I am pretty happy with our overall cybersecurity program, uh, just from the standpoint that I feel I, I sleep well at night, Ted, knowing that at the end of the day, I think we've done everything that we can do within our power, within within the parameters that we are placed within to, to protect the city of Seguin, our private architecture, our personal private data, day-to-day -day stuff. We average 500 plus help desk tickets a month, you know, so like there's a staff of nine, including myself. You can kind of take me out of that. So there, there's a, a staff of eight 
super smart IT people that we have here in the city of Seguin. I'm not including myself. I'm, I'm the one. I'm the one that fell off, right? Proud of what they do. And, uh, you know, the, the direction is there. We know it needs to be done. Um, and I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that um, we're, I consider us a leader in municipal government as far as technology, cybersecurity. I think we're more on the forefront as opposed to struggling to keep up. Maybe I'm wrong about that. What about blind spots? I think you've talked about this already. Like you're just chomping at the bit to to hire somebody to, and you have their next few years planned out. Is there anything specific technology-wise that you're wanting to do first? Uh, Technology-wise, the answer is no. Uh, The the tools are in place. We have a, a strong program because of the tools that we rely on. Good stuff from Shane there. Thank you. Let's move now to Scott at the city of Ulis. My name is Scott Joyce. I'm the director of information services for the city of Ulis in Texas. We're in the North Texas area. Uh, it's a city of about 60,000. Um, we have an IT team of including myself, six people. And one of those people is a, a dedicated GIS person. So uh, when you look at, strictly boots on the ground IT people you're looking <clears throat> I would say roughly four and a half to five sure yeah. um we're all wearing the multiple hats including me so I I can only sit in my office and sign papers for a short amount of time and shuffle them around for a short amount of time during the day other days I'm uh, I'm helping the guys uh unfortunately and I'm super jealous of those cities that have a dedicated security person mm-hmm. uh, we don't that role falls to basically all of us, uh, depending on what we do and what area of expertise we have. You're responsible for the security of that thing or that area. Um, so we, as a result, we stay busy, but also as a result of that, we're very close uh, in proximity and, and the way that we work. Uh, and that's a benefit that pays off. Who do you report to then? I report to the deputy city manager. Okay. Yeah. So you're going directly to sort of... Uh administration in right yeah. right absolutely all right yeah so there's nobody in between you and the administrators uh, uh no and uh, you know in cities this size you'll you'll see something very common just because someone reports to the city manager and somebody else reports to the deputy city manager doesn't necessarily mean they outrank them it's just you can't have so many departments reporting all to the same person but is it fair to say that part of your role specifically is translator in the sense my role Yes, absolutely. My role is to stand in the middle and listen to this side and make this side understand it. Yeah. And then reverse. That's a skill set in IT that is unique. Is that fair to say? <laughs> it is very fair to say. Uh, if you could just kind of walk through each step and uh, describe what you're doing from a security perspective and maybe how your team manages that day to day. So if it's okay, let me start the opposite of that. Instead of at the end point, let me start at the top. Uh, no, I will not allow you to do that. Uh, well, I've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. No, the, the, because this is, I, I've talked to the other department directors and I've talked to the council about this exact thing and how security has to be implemented in layers. You can't just buy a firewall and stick it over there and say, okay, we're good. Because that mindset will get you on the news every single time the mindset has got to be okay we put an ips in place but what happens if they get past that what do you what's next okay well we got a firewall what happens if they get past that all the way down to the desktop and to the person which ultimately as you know is going to be the layer that gets you 
compromised. Sure. Um, so for ours, and I, I mean, obviously I'm going to keep it at a high level, um, but ours is starting with the IPS between us and the ISP, stepping down to a firewall, stepping down to a router and switch ACL, stepping down to uh, the desktop level uh, with, uh, with our security software on those, stepping down to the human level. The human level, as you know, is a little tricky. Uh, we do have uh, the annual cybersecurity training. Well, and that goes back. We were we were talking earlier about you being sort of the liaison or the relation, you know, managing the relationship with with council. You're also talking about relationships with your constituents too, right? right? Like, and how important that is. Very underrated when the question starts with, "Hey, tell me about all your shiny technology," and and we're sort of back to the idea of relationships and people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an interesting perspective. If people didn't trust us as a department mm-hmm. and they didn't trust me as the department head, that relationship's not going to be there. And what you're going to get is that same situation where somebody's got something on their desktop and they don't know what to do with it. Man, I don't want to call them. Yeah, he's a jerk. I don't, I don't want to call them. them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then before you know it, they're trying to make this decision on their own. And then your network is compromised five minutes later. Yeah. So that that trust is a huge component of that security stack. Um, so the approach that we took this year was from from not necessarily like I said a cybersecurity standpoint, but citywide training overall. We lumped it all together into one system. Said okay, the the cybersecurity training that's a part of this system is good. Do you have anything in place for vulnerability management, patching, that sort of thing? Obviously, the, that goes hand in hand because you're an IT team, not a security team, right? right? So can you talk about that piece of it a little bit? In, our, in a smaller environment like this, our, our philosophy is if it's a security patch, it's getting pushed out. Mm-hmm. And we'll come back and clean up the shrapnel that it left <laughs> after. Yeah. because not patching is going to leave more shrapnel behind potentially. Sure. Um, so that's, that's just the approach we take. I mean, we have a system in place I mean, we, we patch Microsoft stuff. We patch our Cisco stuff. We patch everything that we've got. Sure. We don't have the resources to, to dedicate uh, staff and, and time and, and hardware to test literally every patch that comes out. And that may come back to bite us one day, but Right now, like I said, it seems like it's the lesser of two evils. Thanks, Scott. And there it is. Two unique perspectives from two very different municipalities within the state of Texas, both facing similar challenges. Hope you enjoyed it. And be sure to subscribe to Cybersecurity on the Front Lines in your favorite podcast app. See you next time.